Hello, everyone. I'm Jinx Monsoon, and welcome to a brand new episode of Hi, Jinx, with me, Jinx Monsoon. Today, my guest is Charlotte D'Amboise, who is currently playing Roxy Hart with me on Broadway in Chicago, the musical. And if you don't know her from that, maybe you know her from Cats or Pippin or one of the countless other Broadway productions she's been a part of because she is a New York ballet legacy baby, a Broadway superstar, and royalty in every sense of the word. It's all today on a brand new episode of Hi Jinx. So buckle up, hunker down, and sink your teeth into some brand new Hi Jinx. M. Oh. M. Mom. I'm Jinx Monsoon, and welcome to Hi Jinx, a podcast where I, an internationally tolerated drag superstar, get to interview compelling and fascinating people about how they became who they are and why they do what they do. Today we are joined by Broadway royalty, actress, singer, and dancer, Charlotte D'Amboise. And I should say, she's also my Roxy Hart in Chicago on Broadway right now. It's Charlotte D'Amboise. Hi, Charlotte. Hi, James. <laughs> How are you this morning? I'm good. I'm good. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm fabulous. I'm oh, wonderful. happy to be talking to you. And uh, it's a gorgeous day, and I and I have a a dog that's very needy of mine. So I'm literally talking to you and throwing a ball at the same time. Pets are always so needy of our attention when we're doing podcasts. My cat will. It's like she doesn't she doesn't care a lick about my computer the rest of the time. But if yeah. I'm on it, that's the only place she wants to sit. It's right on top of the computer. <laughs> It's like she feels like she's being left out of something. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. They tell you're focusing on something and it's not them. <laughs> yeah. So we just finished. Um, we did four shows this weekend, but it's all, it's just a part of doing an eight show weekend. For anyone who doesn't know, um, most Broadway shows take Monday off. Um, so you do your four show weekend and then you have a day off. Chicago is one of the rare exceptions where we take Wednesday off. That means we go Thursday, Friday, doing one show each, two shows on Saturday and Sunday, then a show on Monday and Tuesday, and then you get a day off. So it's a full week of work <laughs> yeah. before yeah. your one day off. And then yeah. you go right back into another week of work. And you have been doing this kind of schedule for years and years and years. Yeah. And yeah. how did it start? What was your first Broadway production? Um, the first one I did, I lost you for a second here, um, was uh, my first Broadway show was Cats in like 1984. I think 83. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah, a long time ago. Oh, just Cats? Um, <laughs> just Cats. 
you know, it was, um, it had just opened and I did the first national company of that. And it's funny cause I also did the first national company of, uh, Chicago. So that's how I got involved in Chicago. I, I, and that was 20 Chicago. I think it's been 26 years. So that was like 25 years. And I oh, played wow. Roxy on the first national tour. So that's how long I've been doing this show. Um, but I've been in and out of it. So, uh, not, yeah. so this show has been going forever. I started, did the national for a couple of years, maybe not even did Broadway. I mean, did the Broadway and then I stopped and did other shows, but mm. every year they'd call me usually if I was free to come in for a couple months here or there. Yeah. And, um, so this time they called and it actually was a little longer than a couple months. It was <laughs> I think about, it'll be five months. That's really long for me. But, yeah. um, but it's been so great because you came into the show. <laughs> it's made a big difference in a positive way. So um, that's been helpful. But yeah, it's, that's why I've been able to do it for so long. It's the yeah. it's being you're able, able to, leave to go it. in and out, and yes. and you don't get too fatigued on it for for yeah. too long. Yeah. Um, now, when you say you were in Cats, let me explain. That if you uh, um, if you look up videos of cats, I know that your husband was the original Rum Tum Tugger. Yeah. And does that mean when we look up, you, you said to me once, I I said that Michael, my husband and I were looking up Terrence Mann, your husband, as the Rum Tum Tugger, because we were reminiscing over your husband causing sexual awakenings in both of us with different characters. <laughs> Um, and we looked up the video of the Rum Tum Tugger, like for, it was like a, a, a commercial, a TV commercial for cats. Was it and a TV you, well, was it a TV commercial or was it like a video where he kind was, of pops out of the wall and sort of, he, he breaks through the wall of the theater? Yeah, was that it? Yeah, yeah. And he laughs and then we all kind of sing the Rum Tum Tugger and the girls yeah. come in. And then, anyway, I'm in that. Yes. So you're one was, of the girls. I'm one of the girls. Isn't that insane? I'm one of the girls. I'm the, the girl that has no fur on her. Like, it's just I'm that. But we shot that. That was, like, when MTV was happening. Like, first uh -huh. half before VH, VH1, right? It was before that. It was MTV. It was, like, before. It was, like, when video suddenly became a thing for music. Mm -hmm. And, um... I was there right at the beginning. So they were at that point experimenting with, why don't we do an MTV video for Broadway shows? <laughs> that was kind of that, that was, so they put some money behind it and did that video and it's, it's kind of cheesy, but it's ridiculous. But anyway, that's, that's how that happened. Cheesy, whatever. It's, it's iconic and it lives forever. And I didn't know that you were one of the kitties in, in cats. And cause <laughs> We, I was backstage talking with you about Terrence Mann playing the Rum Tum Tugger. And then um, I can't remember his character name in my husband's thing, but it was he was playing some villain in a, a movie called um, Mrs. Santa Claus starring Angela Lansbury. And that was Michael's sexual awakening with your husband. <laughs> so. so he likes villains. Yeah. <laughs> So did you, how did you and um, Terrence meet? Was it on I, um, Cats? <laughs> yes. So I was in the first national company. I did see him in the original Cats, but I, I was was looking at everything else. I don't know. I don't really, <laughs> I remember him, but I just wasn't thinking. But then when I did the first national company, I, um, I, they wanted me to come join Broadway. So I remember going to see the show right before I joined the company. And I remember 
being backstage. I watched the show and I was like, oh, wow, 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 he's hot. <laughs> and then I remember just being backstage and him coming downstairs with his hair all curly and, <laughs> and hot. And he had just, you know, gotten out of the shower or whatever. And he comes down and he sees me and he comes right up to me with those gorgeous eyes of his. And he looks in my eyes and he's like, are you Charlotte? Hi. And I was just like, ah, but I didn't, I, I played so cool. I played like, yeah, hi, yeah, I am, you know, and, uh, and, but we both so remember that moment, you know, like we yeah. both really remember because he just came close to me and I, I just was like, ah, oh, my God, it was like, you know, whatever, you know, love at first sight, I guess, or lust at first sight is more than what the, <laughs> the correct way. And then that was how we met. I mean, and, and we did the show and we got to know each other and we sort of flirted. And then, um, you know, it's it, it, it he, he was married at the time, so we really couldn't get together. And then it, we at one point he left his wife and then we got back together and then we broke up and then we didn't see each other for two years. And, um, <laughs> And then he got it. And then I was in Jerome Robbins Broadway, another show. And then he got that show. Uh -huh. And once he got that show, he never left my apartment. And that was it. <laughs> and that was many years ago. So, I mean, you know, I guess you would say it's a, a marriage that has lasted in this business, you know? Yeah. Okay. So your life has always been... In, in in the performance realm, essentially. That's what I'm gathering. So for my listeners, um, this is one of the longer conversations Charlotte and I have ever gotten to have because <laughs> our, our, uh, we both get to the theater at different times. There's two floors between us. We're both getting ready. We see each other for the first time most nights on stage in our first scene together. Yeah. And then while the show runs, we've got about five minutes here and five minutes there. Most of my conversations with Charlotte end with her going, oh, oh, shit, I got to go. I got to go. <laughs> And then she runs off to her next cue because, as you may know, Roxy's almost always on stage. So we get these little conversations here and there. And then sometimes we get to go out and Charlotte is always the life of the party. But this is definitely one of our longest conversations. Um, has it been... Okay, well, we're going to come back to being married to another um, a Broadway legend um, and what that might be like, what kind of trials and tribulations might come up there. But first, I want to talk about um, you being from a legacy of performers, your father, Jacques Dembois, um, a famous ballet dancer. And um, and from what I hear backstage, not that we talk about you constantly, but um, <laughs> but what I hear backstage is your father. And please dispel this rumor if it's a rumor. But let's let's talk about let's talk about it. I heard that your father would come to many, many, many shows while you were playing Roxy on Broadway, and he was so proud of you. And he would sit in the audience. But then I also heard afterwards he would give you notes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that sounds about right. I mean, he saw the show like 200 and something times. I oh, mean, wow. I mean, he was insane. But, you know, he 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 was a famous. Yeah, he's incredible, my dad. But he saw me in all my shows. But Chicago was by far his most favorite. Like mm -hmm. he just loved the show on top of loving my part and me in it, but he just loved the show. I mean, I, you know, other shows he'd go and see it once, 
you know, yeah. or twice, you know, it was not that, but Chicago, he was constantly bringing people and bringing people and bringing people and <laughs> seeing the show, you know, and he saw it so many times that, I mean, there would be times of, because everyone would spot him in the audience, you know, and they would be like, I see your dad, I see your dad, he said, yeah. <laughs> they would spot him where he is. And then they would say, oh, he, it would be so funny because he'd be watching the show and he'd like fall asleep, you know, because he's seen it 20 times, <laughs> but he'd hear your voice, you know? His eyes would pop up again <laughs> and he'd wake oh. up and fall back asleep. Anyway, <laughs> he was, yeah, he was just the cutest thing. But yeah, he's, um, he was an incredible man. And, um, I was very lucky. I feel so blessed yeah. that I had him as a father and I had my mother as a mother. I really knew at a young age that I was blessed, yeah. that I was one of the lucky ones. You know what I mean? To have such, um, just a great, Great parents and and surrounded by arts, surrounded yeah. by the art in New York City, you know, and with so much freedom and, you know, do what you ever will do what you want in your life was what yeah. they, they felt, you know, just as long as you're healthy, that's do whatever you want, you know, that, that was how. I talk constantly about the privilege of a supportive, accepting family. And it is, is a privilege because it's something that not everyone gets. And it really does make the hugest difference. Not to say that things can't turn out wonderfully for you if you have a family that's a complete pile of shit. <laughs> but yeah. but um, because a lot of people um, thrive in adversity. But if you don't have to have that adversity, what a privilege it is to, to have a supportive family. Yeah. Now, we all know about Chicago and the musical, uh, uh, the musical demands. And as Roxy, you're on stage constantly. You're in almost every scene. I can't think of a scene off the top of my head you're not in. And you sing um, like half the score. Uh, <laughs> so you've got to keep yourself in really good stamina. And then I also... Uh, <laughs> mentioned earlier you're the life of the party when we go out and one time you mentioned you can go out and then you're ready for the next day and you said yeah i'm old school i'm old school like that <laughs> um you've been in broadway uh for decades so tell me is there a different vibe nowadays on broadway than there was in say like what was kind of referred to as I would say maybe the, what is that? The Renaissance of Broadway? Because if the golden era was like 50s, yeah. 60s, the Renaissance was kind of late 70s, 80s, right? Yeah. Yes, yes. So <laughs> How has I, the vibe changed? Yeah, it has changed a lot. I mean, in, in some ways, um, it's, it, it, well, you know, 40 seconds, you know, that whole area was, you know, a terrible area. You know, like, I can't tell you, you know, and it wasn't packed. Like, you didn't have the tourism like you have now. That's insane. And everybody at 42nd Street and Times Square. It was much less people. And it was, you know, grungier. It was grungier. Mm -hmm. New York <laughs> grunge, which I kind of miss. It's so insane. Yeah. You know, you kind of miss that because it became more like Disney or whatever, you know, seeing Disney mm -hmm. characters walking around. Um, that's <laughs> a lot. Um also, in my day, you didn't have long-running shows. Mm -hmm. the, the, a course line was the first to be yeah. the longest-running. You know what I mean? They, they, you'd run two years, three years, and you were happy. 
Then suddenly, mm-hmm. it, then these shows started happening that were like a long, like a chorus line came in my time. And then Hats was the next one. Then Les Miserables was the next. And suddenly there were these long running shows that stayed in theaters for a long time. Mm-hmm. So the turnaround of new shows got less and less because of that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and still do, it's still that way. You know, they hold up the theaters. It's a great thing to have a long running show like Chicago. Yeah. We're in there. We love it. But. It also holds up the theaters in, in creating new stuff, you know? Yeah. Um, the people, the, the people, like now when I meant by that, by old school, is that I old school is like, I don't miss a show. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's that's old school. And, and that's what I mean. Like if I'm going to go out and party till four in the morning, I'll show up the next day, you know? Yeah, because that's not going to be the reason you missed a show because no. you were. <laughs> or, or, you know, in most cases, you know, you know you're there you can do it, you know, with that. I mean, you, yeah. you've been there, Jinx, you know, you've been like not feeling up to par completely with your voice or whatever, but you're there. Yeah. I remember shows at Bernadette Peters song and dance where she sang mm. the whole first act. We did, we were the second act. Mm. She would, she was sick of the dog sometimes. I remember being so sick and couldn't even sing, but she'd mm. get out there and give a fantastic performance and, and crack and yeah. this and that. But you know, she knew people were there to see her and, and it didn't matter, you know. And anyway, I'm not saying that you want to, you know, go and perform when you you're going to hurt yourself. But that is old school. And nowadays, kids coming out of these schools at it, like I'm, no, I'm into this. I'm, you know, it's a different, it's a different attitude, you know. And yeah. I, 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 and maybe it's a healthier attitude, honestly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, 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 but for me, it's just like the respect of the show. It means that much to me. It just yeah. means that. You know, I don't like to miss. I can tell that from you. I If there's one thing I've said about, you know, working with you and getting to know you, when people, you know, everyone asks, like, what's Charlotte like? You Okay, first of all, we need to talk about the fact that you are so phenomenal as Roxy. I haven't said that. I've said it to you personally multiple times, but it needs to be said in this conversation. Charlotte D'Amboise is... Um, is it just when you are playing Roxy, there's just like it's like you can see why the whole show is shaped around this character. You just play this character that's so easy to fall in love with, even when she's being a brat, even when she's like you play this lovely, innocent Roxy where it kind of she starts out kind of naive, almost like what? Oops, did I do that? You know, like she's not even fully aware of the situation she's in. Yeah. Then the, this amazing character, once she's aware of the situation she's in, she starts learning how she can make it work to her advantage. People start manipulating her, but then she finds a way to manipulate back. And then by the end, she's so entitled. She's telling her lawyer she doesn't need him because she can take care of the trial by herself. I I won't give any more spoilers from the show in case anyone hasn't seen it. But she goes on a full transformation and she's motivated by different things at different moments. But I got to say, it's just every night watching you for someone who just said, She's been playing the show for 25, 26 years. Uh, it's like it's the first time every night. And that's got to just feel impossible at times when you've played the role so many times. Yeah. But um, uh, yeah. so you're phenomenal as Roxy. You're old school. What I was going to say is there's um, 
it's a balance, I think, because yeah, you, you have to take care of yourself. Cause as we were just saying, you are the business. So if you don't take care of yourself, what the hell are you going to do? But then there is the mentality of like, you know, I've definitely had the feeling of, um, I know how many people are traveling from a different city, from a different state, from a different country sometimes. And I know that that's like, that's a huge expense, especially we're still coming back from a pandemic. No one's flush right now, but they're wanting to get back into the world and support the things they love. And so, yeah, I've had a couple shows where I was like, well, my voice isn't great, but I still felt like I could give what they came to see. And um, so it's about finding your balance and about finding out you know, what you can live with afterwards, you know, like, can I live with missing the show? Um, well, it's also, uh, you know, I mean, you, you walk in and your, your voice is so phenomenal and you're so, you are so phenomenal in the role. You really are. And, and you, and, but what's so great about you is besides your singing, which is phenomenal, is you're such a great actress and that's what comes first and the most important. And that's mm. what with Roxy. It's like, yeah, I can go in there and not have a voice, but I, mm -hmm. I could use all my other talents or I go in mm -hmm. there and can't dance, but I can, you know, it, it, ultimately it's the acting. It's the acting that matters the most. Um, yeah. I feel, you know what I mean? It just, it's, it's everything. It's, 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 it's the acting. You can sing your butt off. You can dance your butt off, but if you're not acting it well, who cares? Who cares? That's, that is such a good point because that's, what's different from going and just seeing a dance performance or just a concert. When you see a musical, you're seeing people dance and sing, but while in a character and maintaining the character. And what I got to say, it's just been such a big privilege acting in this show. Um, Cause yeah, the acting in Chicago now, I've had a lot of different types of acting experiences, and I've been on stage quite a few times um, in musical productions, and I have never been in a production where it feels like we all are on stage, living in the moment, for that moment, truthfully, that night, and the next day, it's going to be its own moment. Because mm -hmm. I, not uh, you know, like... Not to shit on any other production I've ever done, but I'm so used to we rehearse things and we get a groove going and then that's the groove for the show. And maybe little things might adapt or or build or get fleshed out a little more along the way, but it's essentially the groove that we got in at the beginning. I've been in the show for two months and the groove I'm in now is so vastly different. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, it, yeah. audience members might, might not see the huge difference, but as the actor playing the role, it's like we have come a huge freaking way in two months with the way our characters re yeah. react to each other because we've developed it and we've opened opened ourselves up to being changed every single night, you know? Right. And also, you've done it now with how many Roxies? You've done it with four Roxies. <laughs> I've done it with four Roxies, four Velmas, yeah. two Marys, two Billies, one Amos. <laughs> we and were doing the math last night. All, all, it's different with each person. So you change yeah. each person, too. You know what I mean? How you react to them. It's, 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 a, it's constantly changing and moving. And that's what Chicago has done very well with, you know, and bringing mm -hmm. in new people. It's actually, it's really a good thing. It's just 
keeps it alive. It keeps it moving yeah. and alive. Plus, you set up the, the show so well because you, you invite the audience in in such a way because the audience is part of the show, you know, in a way. Yeah. They're, you know, they're yeah. part of it. And Absolutely. It's present and in the moment because depending on the audience, you know, too, it's, it's really incredible. Um, I hope you come back more. <laughs> I, you know, there. I've, I've always said, I've already said, I'll come back as many times. I'll come back as Mama. I, I even said I'll come back as Billy if, if you want to take a, a, a fun, weird swing <laughs> with it. <laughs> it would be fantastic. Yeah, I would love. Uh, that. Yeah. yeah, they would do that. So. <laughs> Um, Stephen Gruss, one of our stage managers, told me I had to ask you on the podcast how you got the role of Roxy. And what he said to me was, I think you're going to love this story because you already love Charlotte, but you're going to love how ballsy this was. <laughs> so I want to hear uh, the, the ballsy um, thing you did to get this role. <laughs> uh, I, um, I got the call. To for the first national company, and actually my husband did too. He got called to go in for Billy for the first national company, and I got called in to go in for Velma. Mm. And they wanted me as Velma because they, you know, it was much more of they, you know, of the dancing role and a singing role, and mm-hmm. and they knew I was this great dancer, and that that you know that they just saw me as Velma. So yeah. I called them back and I said, and I looked at the script and I went. You know what? I am Roxy. I I have all these ideas for Roxy. I have those. I mm-hmm. and I could play Velma, but I'm not. No matter how much I play it, I'm not a Velma. Like I yeah. know someone's gonna walk in there and not have to do anything, and they're Velma. Like yeah. I would work <laughs> in it, and and still it would never be that great. That's how I felt. Yeah. So and I still feel that way, which is why I never wanted to do Velma, but. I was like, Roxy, I just, I just knew was me. So mm-hmm. and I also knew how I wanted to play it, everything. So I called them up. I had my agent call and say, listen, she really wants to, she wants to come in for Roxy. She doesn't want to, you know, can she come in? And they were like, no, no, she, we just want her for Velma. That's the only thing. And, and my just said, called me back and said, they only want to see you for Velma. So what I did was I, Worked on the scene. I worked on a little Velma, you know, just so I had it under my belt so I wouldn't look bad. Mm-hmm. And I learned all of Roxy. I did mm-hmm. monologue. I found out what they wanted for the audition. I did it all, had it all. I walked into the audition and I put the music up to play. And they were like, there's Walter Bobby, there's Barry Weissler, there's everybody. Mm-hmm. And I start to sing Roxy. <laughs> and, and Walter goes, no, 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 wait, wait, no, no, you're, you're, you're here for Velma. You're supposed to you have all that jazz. I said, no, no, I, I'm here for Roxy. I don't have anything for Velma. I don't know. I, I, I have only Roxy. And they were like, oh, uh, well, you were here for Velma. Well, okay, sing the song. <laughs> and so I pretended I had no Velma material. And <laughs> since I was there, they were like, go ahead, sing the song. So I did the song, did the monologue, uh-huh. and then that was pretty much it. They they just and then and then and then I, he I think he had me. He said, "Why don't you read Velma?" Go go look. And I said, "Oh, I haven't even looked at the sides," <laughs> <laughs> which I had by the way. So I yeah, yeah. twenty minutes to look at the sides. So I go out and look at it like pretending I'm cold reading it. I come in, 
I do mean well, but I'm not a Velma. You know what I mean? It's obvious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd already won them over with Roxy. That was it. And then, um, and that was it. And then I think Walter Bobby, the next, he said, I, I just want to private with you. He had me come in and work with him a little bit. And that was it. The part was mine. It was great. My husband did not uh-huh. get it. <laughs> and uh, I got it. But, you know, it was just one of those things in life where I was like, I, I, this, is, this is the only way this is going to happen. You know what I mean? For me to get this part. I have to do it this way. So I, it makes, you know, it makes perfect sense, you know, and, and that's something that I've actually been talking about a lot. And, um, just when you know you're right for the role, that's a big, that's a, uh, when you know there's a role that's perfect for you, that's a big thing. And when you feel that as an actor, and if you're someone who is real with yourself, if you're someone who's like, if you can be honest with yourself when you're not good for a role, you know, if you're not delusional. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, it's kind of, it's that having that assurance can sometimes lead to really wonderful things. I mean, it's the reason I'm playing mama right now because 20 years ago when I saw the movie the first time, you know, there were, I fell in love with the story. I fell in love with all the music. And then through my life, I've just been very pragmatic with myself about like, what roles are my dream roles, but what roles do I actually think I could play really well? And I've whittled down my dream list to not just any role I want to play, but any role I know I could just play really, really well. And I that's all I'm interested in is just getting the chance to play the roles I know I would play well. <laughs> well I don't I don't want anything I'm gonna suck at. Yeah. <laughs> you mentioned okay, so you made a little joke about you getting Roxy and Terry didn't get um, Billy. Uh, you acted together in Pippin. Um, you played the king and queen, correct? Yes. <laughs> Was that the only time you two? Oh, no. And we know about cats. And in Jerome Robbins Broadway, um, mm-hmm. he came in uh, for, uh, he replaced Jason Alexander um, and he came in and he, we did a short, you know, near the end. I, I was there for a few months, like maybe four months with him in it. So, and then I left. But, um, <clears throat> so we, uh, we were, we did that together. And then we did some, you know, a little bit of regional here and there, not much. Mm-hmm. And then, and then Pippin. And Pippin was, yeah. God, that was so fun. That was fun. That was a fun time. You know, yeah. I loved that show. I loved doing that show with him. He was so brilliant. And... It was just beyond fun. It was just crazy fun. Yeah. Yeah. And you look gorgeous as a redhead, I must say. I saw I, I looked up the pictures of you and Terrence and Pippin. And I told you that the next day you look so gorgeous as a redhead. I mean, blonde is clearly your color, but to see you as a redhead, it was really cool. I also heard same stage manager told me a fun story about Pippin um, when you were playing the queen, that you had a dance number that involved a bunch of quick changes and that you had one time where your first quick change ripped off the wig and you had to do the entire rest of the number just with your wig cap, your stocking cap, little bald head. <laughs> Mike, Mike on my head. The mic. <laughs> Oh, because the mic pack was under the wig? Yes. 
Yes. <laughs> but you know what happened was it was a nightmare because at one point, I don't, did you see the show? It, I had like no. four, uh, there, there are quick changes that you can't even believe mm-hmm. how quick these changes. You know, you, you, you go behind the thing and you come out with another costume. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like split seconds. And I had four of them in this number. And so I was so loaded up with clothes. <laughs> it's just such a mess. Anyway, <laughs> it, we, we tried during previews and it was just always a disaster. Always, it always yeah. not working. And then finally, you know, and the poor director watching me every night, like just falling apart every night, like egg on my face. Finally, we get it right. We decide on two, I think, or maybe three changes and that's it. And we finally get it right. And then bam, I'm spinning and my wig <laughs> flies across the stage. And, and I, I just remember thinking, okay, I'm the queen, for God's sake. <laughs> and a mic on my head. This cannot be happening. And so I remember I just pulled my, I pulled the mic pack off. I threw it. I pulled the wig cap off while I'm dancing and just messed up my hair. <laughs> I stopped. I walked up in front to the front of the, the stage, took a big bow. <laughs> <laughs> Audience applauded. And then I backed up and said, my, my, my one line, I'm, God, I can't remember. It's the best line in the show. But um, anyway, it was, and then I screamed because I didn't have my mic. But anyway, yeah. you know, I ended up taking, I was just like that moment of, okay, this is, I got to turn this around. How the hell yeah. I turn this around? I don't know. Because the queen without a, with looking like this. Is not, <laughs> like, you, you have an incredible chemistry with the audience. Um, in Roxy, if you've, if you've seen the movie and you've never seen the stage show, so the movie, Roxy does a little bit of a monologue that leads into the song Roxy, which is her big solo number. If you see it live, the little monologue is quite a big monologue. And this number is like a huge turning point in the show. It's the only number where everything kind of slows down and moves at the pace of the performer. I would say the rest of the show is driven by the orchestra. It's kind of like the music keeps everything going. Lots of scenes have underscoring, so you can't really like linger and idle as much, you know? But with Roxy, even though there's underscoring, every cue is taken off of you. And you have a you have a scripted monologue, and then you also divert from the script at times when um, when there's something going on in the audience. It's I told you early on in my run that it was like watching what drag queens do off the cuff, but you were doing it with scripted material. And it was really amazing to see how the same kind of energy and the same kind of candor and conversation with the audience can be had with scripted material playing a character. Because I've never seen that in the same way that like a cabaret performer would talk directly to their audience and be really candid with them. But you're playing Roxy in the middle of a Broadway show doing that style of performance. And it's really, it's really so brilliant. And, and that's, that's the moment in the show that I'm really like, just like, I'm just watching someone show me how to act because it's, it's incredible that you're, I, I can see that you're bringing different, like there's different intention, but you always hit the right notes. It's like, you're always giving us the story we came here to see, 
But we're seeing whatever's going on in Roxy's mind or Charlotte's mind that night that's informing Roxy. It's just always alive. And then that moment you were talking about in Pippin, that's why live entertainment is so important. Not to see the mistakes, but because of that moment you had with the audience where you ripped off the mic pack and the and the wig cap right. and the audience was supporting you because it was a moment of truth. It was a moment of reality in a scripted show. And that's yeah. what that's what's so magical to see on stage is these it little is. it is just these moments of authenticity. Yeah. Yeah, you can't and get you, that. I mean, you can yeah. film it, you know, you film moments of honesty in, in movies and stuff, but it's not in the moment. It's not. It's yeah, and you, can, you can't feel the electricity in the room because when, when there's a sold out audience reacting to something, that energy is palpable and it's a community building experience. And my entire run so far, you know, we've got eight shows left together and the entire run so far has felt, every night has felt like a community building experience between the actors on stage, the orchestra, our amazing orchestra, um, uh, the the audience, there's a conversation going on between everyone in yeah. every performance that feels so magical. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 I love it. <laughs> I there's nothing like it. You know, you can do film and television and all that and you never... To be on stage and to, to have a character and go through what the character goes through, you know, a beginning, mm-hmm. middle, and an end in mm-hmm. sequence. <laughs> <laughs> Television, you never get that chance. So it's never yeah. silly. You're doing bits and pieces and you don't really get to have a cathartic experience every night. You know, you mm-hmm. live, live your part, you know, the way you yeah. want to. And it's also you're doing it. You know, it's you, Jake's doing it, not somebody yeah what you did. You know what I mean? It's just, it's just nothing like it. It's just nothing. Yeah. I love it. I love it. I love theater. I love to see it. I, I like, I, I love theater too. I, I'm like there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're going, we're going to Peter Pan goes wrong on Wednesday. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> I saw the show that goes wrong on the West end. Yes. One of the best, one of the best shows I've ever seen because it's just incredible. And at, seeing it as a performer, all you can think about is the hours and hours that went oh. into rehearsing everything so oh that my. they can do it safely. And perfectly. <laughs> I know, I know. I saw yeah. it. I loved it. I'm really can't wait to see the Peter Pan. I've seen so many things on YouTube. I've played Peter Pan. I <laughs> Of, of course, course you have. And I, I mean, you know, things go wrong in Peter Pan. <laughs> bang, walls, bang. I mean, just as, or not flying. I mean, running around the stage going, I'm flying when you're not flying. <laughs> so, Charlotte. Yeah. You, you told me, you told me, um, uh, Oh, it was Lana Gordon, Lana Gordon, who was most recently playing Velma. And now we've got Bianca Marroquin playing uh, Velma, (laughs) playing Bianca. She's playing Bianca. Uh, uh, We've got, uh, we we went out for drinks for Lana's last night. And that was, so now we're like two months into my run. And that's the first time I learned you played Roxy while pregnant. Oh, (laughs) my Now you have how many kids? I have um, two. One I adopted yeah. from China. So my husband That's and I right. tried to get pregnant for a long time, and then um, 
Oh, I, that's right. I, we talked about this. It's just like on, and just like that. It's just like on Sex in the City. <laughs> so then the next thing I know, you know, it's like an 18 month process to have, you know, uh-huh. China. And, um, and then within nine months I got pregnant and, mm-hmm. and then we were like, oh my gosh. And, and then we suddenly had two at the same time. I mean, Shelby was six weeks old and Josephine came from China and she was, um, 11 months. So they're nine yeah. months apart. So yeah, it was full on. And, and I was, I knew I was pregnant when I was doing, you know, when I found out I was pregnant, but you know, you're not mm-hmm. supposed to tell anybody for like three months because yeah. you, know, you don't want to miscarry and all that. So I didn't tell anybody. So when mm-hmm. I sang that, me and my baby, uh, <laughs> I, it was a little glimmer in my eye. I was like, mm-hmm. nobody knows I got my little baby cooking in here. And, <laughs> And so it really meant something, you know, and then, then I remember I've told them and, um, and then I did the show till I was five months pregnant, but it was really funny. I used to do a big Pratt fall in the show. Yeah. Oh, I love you, honey. I love you, honey. That section. (laughs) And then I would do a literally straight from standing to on the floor. Anything for a laugh. I mean, I swear to God. Anyway, I don't even know how I did it. I did. I just did it. And then finally, remember when I'm pregnant, I couldn't do it anymore. And so suddenly, I, suddenly I would do like a to the knee, and then over, and and then and I did that for a little while. And then I remember I was like, I can't even do that. It was like it's amazing how your body tells you what you can't do. And then the ladder mm-hmm. could not go up on that ladder. I'm fearless on ladders. Could mm-hmm. not go up on it. I would go up two steps, <laughs> and, me, and I'd be like just like a foot off the ground. Yeah, what a reveal. <laughs> But anyway, I did it five months pregnant and then I left the show because I was beginning, you know, beginning to show. And then I gained like 15 pounds within a week. You know, it was like, but yeah. Oh, uh, once you left the show, your body said, okay. (laughs) Because I find that our bodies sometimes, it's like when we're thinking hard enough about something. I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but have you ever like, you could feel that you're getting fatigued and you can feel like something's coming on, but you got five more shows and then you make it to the end of those five shows. And then the uh, curtain comes down and the next day you are out of commission for a week because your body has been holding off on whatever it needs to go through to get you through. (laughs) It's so true. It's uh, what we, it's amazing. uh, So much mental and what you, you know, allow, Mm. And you're right. It's like, I'm, I can't get sick. I can't. I can't let this, you know. And you hold it. yeah, it's amazing. Um, there was something I was going to say about, you know, it's interesting because I was thinking about Chicago. I did the show for a while without children. Then uh-huh. I had children. And now my children are in college. They're out of the house. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so weird. It's like, oh, that's God. That's a really fun way to track how long you've been in the show. <laughs> um, are either of your children performers? Yes. Um, um, one of them is uh, with, got into, she's a ballerina, and she got into uh-huh. the Porter Ballet of New York City Ballet. So uh, uh-huh. that's beautiful. She's about to leave today to go to Madrid because they're going to Madrid to perform, which I think actually Rob Bowman's there. Oh, so yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's like, I'm going to go see New York City Ballet. So he's going to go to the company there. They're literally there the exact same week. It's so crazy. Anyway, um, and my other daughter is um, going to school. and She's not quite sure what she wants. She's in college in Portland. Uh-huh. Yeah, we talked about Portland. 
and uh, <laughs> loves it and loves Portland. And, and uh, we'll see, you know, she's, she's blossoming into this fantastic, it was tough because of the, you know, COVID, the two of them, mm-hmm. you know, really missed 11th and 12th grade, you know, it was just yeah. a hard when they're supposed to be out and about, they're like stuck at home with mom, you know, and dad, yeah. they were not, <laughs> none of us were having that. Anyway. Well, at least it, it's a pretty fun mom and dad to be stuck at home with. <laughs> it's true. Uh, listen, we partied every night, every night. And had like a <laughs> close friends that we were just, I, I, every night was a party, <laughs> a dinner party and a party. It was fun. I, I can go back to it a little bit. I, there was something magical and then also something, you know, not, but it was. An oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. It was a nice, it was a really wonderful cocooning time. If you used yeah. it that way. Yeah. like. I was I was just in fight or flight mode during the whole lockdown because it was like every gig I had disappeared and without my gigs it's like how do I support myself so I went right into how am I going to perform digitally and I I would say I I didn't really skip a beat I was working just as much during the pandemic wow. as I was um it was just a different kind of work but um it also, you know, because the work was different, gave me a lot of time to think about what's the work I want to do when I yeah. come out of this. And then I got the phone call to do Drag Race again and everything started just kind of falling in place. But it was that two years of just really having to think to yourself when this is, you know, if and when we come out of this, what do I want to go back to the most? Yeah. And I knew that I, I felt I, I felt like my time performing in nightclubs and bars, I hope might be coming to an end because I'm getting too tired. I'm, you know, I'm only 35, but I have been doing it for 20 years. I'm getting tired of certain aspects of my career. And especially when I quit drinking, being around alcohol all night long and being the one sober person as everyone gets progressively drunker, it's not always fun. Um, How long have you been now? (laughs) I've been sober. Um, I'm just under four years, three three years and nine months, and so from all of COVID. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was, I was really glad that I was already yeah. sober long enough that it wasn't like I wasn't like, what am I gonna do? I was resolved to stay sober. But if I hadn't been sober, uh, the pandemic could have done me in because the yeah, way I drank. I was old school as in I wanted to be Elaine Stritch. <laughs> like I wanted to be I wanted to be a famous alcoholic who somehow still had it going, you know. <laughs> but uh <laughs> But um yeah. that's not sustainable. That's what I oh I remember. So I was saying I've been doing, you know, show business in some capacity for 20 years because I, as a 15-year-old, used to go to the nightclubs and work at the nightclubs. You told me that you were sneaking out around the same age, going to dance at nightclubs. And you said that was your freedom. That was where you got to dance. My The story I built in my head was you were a ballet dancer. You take taking ballet classes because you're a ballet legacy baby. And then you would go to nightclubs to dance how you really wanted to dance. Is that true? That's exactly <laughs> true. That's exactly true. And I, that's, uh, to me, that's how I learned how to dance. Mm-hmm. I mean, because it, it, I would dance. I would go to Studio 54. I would go to a place called Xenon, which was like the, 
other place, the studio. It was like between Xenon and Studio 54. And um, we got free, uh, you know, I was like 14, 15, you know, 15 years old, 14, 15, 16, those types. And um, we got a free pass to get in because one of my friends was a model, mother was a model, you know, and so we could get in these places. Anyway, I would dance from 12 o'clock at night to six o'clock in the morning. We would bring our... <laughs> And then we would switch midway into our little jazz shoes. So I heels and flats and I would never stop dancing. We never drank. We never did drugs. We stuck together as I think we drank water all night. The only thing I would do was take Dexatrim. You remember that? You know, <laughs> diet. Maybe it Those diet pills that made you feel wired. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, yeah, they would you had probably had a little speed. They're probably illegal. They don't exist. <laughs> but, um, you know, it was like a lot of coffee, but you know, and, and, I, you know, when you spend hours when you're exhausted, but then you keep dancing and then you're awake and then you're dancing with someone and then you learn who you are as yeah. a dancer. I mean, like, this is how I move. This is how I, I feel the music. I, you, you, you just, it taught me to be authentic as a dancer, like just authentic. So every move yeah. has, it's coming from me and yeah. never have learned that if it weren't for that freedom I had and just, and I, you know, I encouraged it so for my kids. I was always like, here, I was giving my kids fake IDs at like, <laughs> go out dancing. You know, <laughs> Here's your fake ID. Please go. <laughs> but never did. I was like, Oh my God. Cause dancing was not like, you know, in my time, everyone was dancing. Now it's not less. So, you know, yeah, they're less, you know, people go to bars and they hang out and they don't dance. I'm yeah. like, ah, you always find a way to dance. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, usually it's when the bars closing down is when uh, then you look across the room and Charlotte and who, whoever else is there has started dancing. And then it's like the bar doesn't want to close because the yeah. Chicago girls have started dancing. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I just love hearing the parallels in our stories because yeah, it's like, I wouldn't have developed. Well, I don't know that I wouldn't have, but I wouldn't have done it as early in life and has been, been as ready as I was in my twenties for the things that, you know, opened up for me. If I hadn't been developing my drag persona for, yeah. you know, yeah. nine years already by the time I had hit drag race. <laughs> and uh, yeah, my grandma gave me a lot of freedom. My mom less so. It was it was a little bit of a con job on my mom because I would say I was going to spend the weekend at my grandma's. And you hear weekend at your grandma's. That sounds like I'm going to go spend the weekend with Nana doing wholesome things. But then Nana would let me go out to the club <laughs> and I'd be doing drag till 4 a.m. Charlotte, when you write your memoir performance, when you write your Charlotte Demboise at Liberty, <laughs> I hope these stories are in there because this is the kind of stuff, those stories are the kind of things that like people like me who just know what they want to do with their life at a very young age, those are the stories that like kind of thrill and motivate you and like go, I'm going to go be a Charlotte Demboise in New York someday, dancing at, 
you know, dancing in the nightclub till 6 a.m. till I get discovered and then I'll and then I'll sneakily win over an audition and <laughs> um yeah. this is why you are Broadway royalty. You've just got you've got all the stories, you've got all the love and the passion and the drive and and you just genuinely you can tell that you love doing what you do. You can just tell that you're in your element. You can tell that this is this is what you were supposed to be doing. <laughs> oh, thanks. Thanks. I do. I love it. I do love it. I really do. And, and you know, the realization of that too, sometimes like, oh, I want to be doing this and I want to be doing that. And, I, and then sometimes I'm like, you know what? I'm really happy where I am and what I am doing. And um, you know, what could be better than playing Roxy yeah. Hart um, in Chicago? I mean, are there, there are not that many better roles. You know what I mean? It's like, it's, great role it really is a fantastic role and when i see it in your hands all i think of is like your your performance of roxy it gives me ideas for things that have nothing to do with chicago and things that have nothing to do with roxy art and that's what good art does it inspires you in ways that like it doesn't even feel linear, you know, like you see Chicago and it inspires something in you and then you go out and paint a painting or something. That's yeah. good art. Um, yeah. Yeah. Charlotte, I have compulsory questions. I ask every okay. guest. Um, this is how we wrap up the episode. My first question for you, if you're ready is who is your celebrity crush today? You are. <laughs> no, I, I'm serious. I mean, oh, well, thank you. Your ears must be burning daily. I'm like, <laughs> I, I, I'm like, I'm like obsessed with Jinx. Is that, that's what I'm, I, you, my daughter's like, will you stop talking about Jinx, please? I'm like, I'm obsessed. I'm obsessed. No, I'm serious. I'm serious. Oh, well, thank you. I don't know how, you know, I, I, I I think the only way that's going to feel okay about leaving is like we were saying at the very beginning is I feel like I know I, 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 can, I have confidence that I'll be, I'll do Chicago again sometime and, and hopefully you'll be there. Or maybe I'll say, I'll do it. If Charlotte will come back. <laughs> uh, I, my next question. I, well, I want to do it when you do Billy Flynn. That's yeah. What <laughs> My next question for you is, um, are you spiritual? Um, I am, um, but, in, but not in a, in a, in a normal, you know, like, it's not like I believe in God. Um, yeah. I even, uh, I do believe in God. It's, I guess that's the word, but I believe in a, a, a spiritual, um, I believe in love. I yeah. believe in love. And I believe that we live on this earth and the more love you give, the more you get back. And that's really all it is. You know what I mean? I don't know if for me, I don't believe that I die and I go to heaven. I believe I become mm. part of that tree that you're going to be part yeah. of. <laughs> and, and, and that's all, it's all, it's, it's, it's the, it's the world. It's the, 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 everything that's alive, you know, and we're part of it. And, and, and it's all comes from love. So I practice, I do meditation and, um, my father was a big believer in in that too, just bringing joy and love to the world, and that's that's what's real. That's what's really real, more than anything. Our brains, you know. So I don't know if that's spiritual. I don't know what you know exactly the meaning of 
I think so. Have you ever, uh, uh, there's a book by Marianne Willi- Williamson. Yeah. Um, and uh, I know that she, she, she gets mixed reviews in her presidential campaigns, but let me tell you as an author and as a motivational speaker, she's fantastic. And I want her to be our president, even I, if other people want to <laughs> make her seem crazy. Five books of hers right now. I'm not kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah. And right here that I'm reading. All right. Okay. Yeah. I'm literally so funny you brought her up. Yes. I think, I think that, you know, I would love for her to be president, but you know, I don't think, I mean, you know, people are not going to accept that, but, um, but you know, they're not ready to, or they just, it's too bad because what a change that would be and how beautiful. I love, I love her philosophy and I believe in that very much. And I, you know, and RuPaul, um, cited um, Marianne Williamson's book "Return to Love" many, many times, and and is quoting it constantly. And it is a you know whether uh, whatever your spiritual practice is, "Return to Love" is more about how to be a human living on this planet and not hate every second of it. <laughs> yeah, my father was that way too. He was just like you know he made a real choice that he was going to be this person that, and so every person he would meet, you know, he would, he would just say, may you have joy in your life. May you this, may, you know, just giving it in. And he just practiced it. He just, he, it wasn't someone, he didn't read books. He just was one of these people that knew that that was the way. And it was amazing. And, and when you it every day, giving like that, you become that, you know, yeah, you become that you're that way, Jinx. You're that way. Yeah. Well, it does take, it takes, you know, it takes like, train it takes training yourself and untraining yourself to to snap to anger or frustration or bitterness anytime something doesn't go your way you it's about learning patience more than anything else kindness comes from patience and uh, the more patience you have the kinder you can be and so whatever you got to learn to 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 maintain patience in your life that's what's going to help you be a kinder happier person <laughs> My final question for you, and I can't wait to hear the answer, is what is your go-to karaoke song? Oh, man. Oh, God, I don't actually do karaoke songs. I'm so bad. <laughs> oh, my God. You must, you must have gone out to karaoke at some you know what? point. You never have. You're going to die. I never have. You do that all the time. <laughs> up in clubs and sing all the time i don't really Well, my job is karaoke like my work is like practically karaoke so i don't go to karaoke as often my husband loves karaoke and my music partner loves karaoke because i i I figured they're uh they're both married to me my music partner and my husband and i think they go to karaoke for their time to sing and be the center of attention because they're so used to having to support me and in my being the center of attention. Yeah. Yeah. Your husband, um, does he sing? Yeah. He's a beautiful singer. He's a singer songwriter. He's brilliant um, with music theory. So he can pick up almost any instrument and have a basic knowledge of, you know, like I've seen him pick up an instrument and not know it, and then five minutes later, he's playing a song on it because his music theory is so good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. Oh my god, I feel so bad. I don't have an answer for you because it was one question you were excited about. <laughs> don't worry, don't worry. I shouldn't have even said anything. Um, 
<laughs> it's okay. You know what? If you ever think of it, I'll give an update on a future episode. But okay. <laughs> right, right now, I want to let everyone know they can follow you on Instagram at NYC. Oh, like Charlotte's Web. I get it. I get it. <laughs> Charlotte Damboise, um, you are, I mean, yeah, you're royalty. You're, you, there's just no other way to explain it. Just in, and it, it's just listening to those stories. It's just like, you're everything. A person like me who grew up fantasizing about Broadway leading ladies, you're just everything anyone could want out of a Broadway leading lady. That's all. That's the only way I have to say it. You're everything yes. from from your kindness and your generosity to your kookiness and your 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 backstage antics. It's all just exactly what you dream about your first Broadway experience being. Uh. Like you've just given me a lifetime of joy from this one experience, honestly, and a masterclass in acting truly because like you act the way that they teach us in in acting school where you're not pushing and you're not forcing and you're not because you're being authentic and your authenticity is what makes your Roxy Hart and I'm sure every other character you play just so wonderful because it just rings clearly in everything that you do. Oh, honey. Thank you. Thank you. Well, that means a lot coming from you. And I appreciate Thank you. Thanks. Thank you, Charlotte. Have a wonderful rest of your day. And thank you for being on my podcast. I love you to death. And I'm gonna I love you, you to death, too. Right? Yeah, you're going to see me tonight. <laughs> I'll think about that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Have, have a wonderful afternoon, and I'll see you on the boards. <laughs> okay. All right. Lots of love, honey. Okay. Bye. Bye. And they're still here. Hi, hi. <laughs> You're still here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the worst trying to un- unconnect. There, sh- there should be a red <laughs> button that says leave. Oh, I saw it and then I lost it. It was said leave and then I lost it. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. I've I got it. Mwah. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to Hijinks here on the Forever Dog and Moguls of Media Network. My name is Jinx Monsoon, and we have new episodes every Wednesday. So make sure to search for Hijinks on your favorite podcast app and hit subscribe. You can follow me at the Jinx on Instagram or at Jinx Monsoon everywhere else. And I'll see you next Wednesday for some more Hijinks. Oh. Mom! To listen to Hijinks one day early and ad-free, sign up for Mom Plus at mompodcasts.plus. Hijinks is produced by Moguls of Media, a.k.a. Mom, hosted by me, Jinx Monsoon, and produced by Joseph Shepard. Editing and sound design by Will Pitts. Executive produced by Willem Belli, Alaska Thunderfuck, Big Dipper, and Joe Cilio.